Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Have you ever noticed how often performing the smallest routine tasks or rituals, if you will, can have a ripple effect that results in a big transformation? Keeping a journal, drinking tea, lighting a candle, taking daily walks, and taking the stairs instead of the elevator are just a few examples of simple routine steps that might deliver a major impact physically or mentally over time. My guest Tamara Castello, CEO of Tomorrow Castello Clinic in Portugal, believes that solutions exist for every problem, but people often struggle to access them due to a lack of direction and overstimulation. Today, she joins us to discuss her new book, The Power of Rituals, and addresses questions such as the most effective simple rituals to reduce daily stress, the significance of daily rituals, the importance of physical touch, the benefits of traditional Chinese medicine, and much more. But before we get there, I wanted to share my minimalist resource of the week with all of you. This resource slightly aligns with the small rituals principle that we talk a lot about here in this episode, and that is Egyptian licorice tea. I've always wanted to find a tea that I really love and can enjoy every day. Every now and then I do enjoy a chai or a London fog, but this Egyptian licorice tea, I drink it throughout my day. Like I said, I do try and end my day with a cup of this as well, but it's warming cinnamon and zesty orange peel. It's kind of crazy because it tastes like there's sugar in it, but looking at the ingredient list, it's licorice root, cinnamon bark, orange peel, ginger root, cardamom, black pepper, clove, organic orange flavor, organic cinnamon bark oil. This tea is organic. I do get it on Thrive Market. I'm sure that you could probably find it at your local grocery store or Target. If you hear licorice and you're turned away, it doesn't taste like what you'd expect licorice to taste like. My husband and I are both obsessed with this tea and we've been buying it in bulk so that we are never without it. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes if you're interested. So that is, again, Egyptian licorice tea by Yogi. All right, and with that, let's get into this conversation all about the power of small rituals, how simple daily habits can transform your life. I'm excited to talk to you today about simple rituals that we can start to make habit in our life to lead to a more simple, slow, intentional lifestyle. But who are you? Who am I talking to? And do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely a minimalist for sure for many years. So I'm a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. But at this point, I manage uh, two clinics in Portugal, one in Lisbon and one in Porto. There are two major cities. And I'm the director of 31 persons that work for me between normal doctors, traditional Chinese medicine doctors, psychologists, physiotherapists. So I run an integrative medicine practice for the last 15 years. So this is who I am in my practice. And then I have two kids, one 13-year-old and an eight-year-old, two girls. And I have a dog <laughs> whom I love. Actually, now I'm building some new home. In my kids' room, they only have a bed, nothing more. So okay. yeah, it's around the forest. And oh. uh, we did a house just for the kids to be immersed in the forest. So then they don't have anything else. We have a big, big window mm -hmm. and only a bed and a forest. 
nothing more Lovely. in the bedroom. I always say the bedroom is where you sleep. And then if you're adults, there's some intimacy hopefully going on in there as well. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No TVs. Don't make it cluttered. We want this space to be somewhere that you're right, that we can just be at peace, be calm and yeah, be restful. But I'm curious to know more about you and how did this book come about? When did you start to see the benefits of including small rituals in your life? And we'll define what small rituals are as well. Yeah. But first and foremost, why did you decide to write this book? Okay, this is my fourth book. It's been a mature thing because you did one and two and then you start thinking because I have a daily practice with my patients because I have a master's on oncology, integrative oncology. So mostly what I do is cancer patients, autoimmune diseases. That's my mainly practice. I started to notice that it's not enough the normal practice. You can give them herbs, you can regulate the sleep, you can regulate anxiety. But they have to do something to connect themselves to the present moment and the emotions they are feeling because being sick is not an easy way. But even if people that are not sick, they are just experiencing stress or experiencing some anxiety, normal daily living because with kids, with dogs, with everything, it's difficult because it's heavy and you don't get enough sleep and you have a lot of things to do and you need some moments and that you can put in a box for your body to relax and to breathe and to feel yourself here. And this is really helpful for you in many ways because it allows yourself to have a focus on your motivation. It allows yourself to know who you are and don't lose yourself in the routines and a lot of tasks that you have to do in everyday living. Take a second to know where am I going? Why am I going there? And this gives you purpose and allows yourself to be more cool with the road that you're traveling with. That was something that I noticed about your book, using ritual as a modality to help clarify the path of least resistance. That's what you say. How can we get from here to there without making it a struggle to create these new habits that are such a benefit to us? So for you, and maybe that you've seen with your clients, what are some of the most effective, simple rituals that we can perform? I'm thinking more along the lines, like you said, with stress of kids or work. So what are some simple, effective rituals that we can perform to reduce that stress in our daily life? Okay, normally rituals should be something simple and quick, not just like 25 candles and nobody has the time to do it. So for me, it's just like you wake up in the morning, you're lying in your bed, you breathe three times and you think of a word and this is the word of the day. The word of the day works incredibly. It's really strong because your brain, when you're starting to wake up, it's just in that state of numbness. Mm -hmm. And it works really well because you can control your brain at that point. Give me an example of a word of the day. Okay, so normally it's what you want to feel this day. Today, I want to feel focused. Today, I don't want to feel anxious. You just name it. Name it like you want it. If you have a big meeting, if you have a really difficult day, if you have to have a difficult conversation, or if you have the most beautiful day, the word of the day can say, allow myself to go through it all, like feel present. Feel present is a good word. Present is a good word. Feel mm-hmm. is a good word. Notice, be aware. It doesn't have to be one word, but an emotion, a feeling, and you just stick to it. And along the day, normally I just think of it and then I write it on my phone. During the day, I just remember it and remember it and remember it just to stay focused and stay in line because it's important for you to begin the day with an intention. Yeah. Well, so many people will do the word of the year and that was a word that they want to encompass their whole year. But I like the word of the day because 
small steps. Yeah. It brings you back to that present moment. You only have today. You only have the next moment. Okay. I love that. Small steps, you know, just for today, because a year is 365 days. It's a lot of time. You get swallowed. But if if it's a day and you stay focused and if you can do it for one day, and if you manage to do it, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And another ritual you can do normally in the afternoon when you're tired of working like 2, 3 p.m., you can have the exercise of noticing. How is my mind? How is my body feeling? Just to see if there are any tensions in your jaw, in your neck, in your shoulders. And then you can relax a bit just for one minute, just to put yourself together. You've just been working for six hours and put yourself together and then you can go again. Then your afternoon is much, much better because people struggle in the afternoon a lot because it's difficult. Normally mornings are easier and then afternoons are a bit pushier. So this is a good ritual too. Keeping that momentum throughout the day is difficult. Yeah. I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm thinking... Oh, but that, that's work too. <laughs> yeah. Recentering yourself before that evening time where you're like, okay, I have to yes. get dinner ready and get bedtime and everything else that goes on with that time of the day. Yeah, it's a good time. It's to really remember. important because normally I say to my patients, if you are at home, you just yeah. lay down on your carpet or something, lay down on the floor, feel your body in the floor, and then mm-hmm. you just breathe for one minute, relax, relax, just to get a breath. You know, it's like catch a breath, relax, your whole body is like a refresh, you know, refreshing the computer is the same. And then you go, like divide the day in two. Yeah. Because it's too long. And then kids are really demanding. Your mind is completely different. If you just allow your mind to get a little break Mm -hmm. with a lot of oxygen and you relax, intentionally relax your muscles, it works completely different. You will not be reactive. You feel more patience and you will react in a better way as a human. So you've somewhat discussed some of the important reasons of why we're doing these rituals. Do you want to expand on that anymore? I mean, again, if you're working in oncology, I can see just off the top of my head, I can think of some reasons of why these rituals would be important. But in general, why would we want to do these things? We want to feel connected to our motivation because motivation is a big, big trouble, a big, big problem because it's difficult to stay motivated. It's difficult to wake up and to move on and to move forward and to be happy doing it. And to be doing it for the good reasons. I'm happy doing this. I want to do this. Like I feel it in my gut to do this. You know, this is difficult. And you yeah. can only do this if you're connected to yourself. Because if you have motivation from the outside, it's not the same. The yeah. good motivation is the one from yourself. Mm-hmm. The one you give yourself. It's a power that comes from within. And this, you can only achieve this if you're focused and you know yourself. And rituals yeah. can make the bridge. Was there a time in your life where you weren't doing this and you've seen the difference? Of- oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Usually yeah. these kind of things stem from, okay, I didn't like the way that I was living. Now I see this. Now I want to share it with everyone. Yeah, of course. Because when I was a teenager, I suffered a lot from anxiety. It was really, really difficult because I study a lot and it was tough and hard, hardcore. Um, I struggle a lot with anxiety and I have a big depression when I was 18 years old. A depression from exhaustion. I was really, really tired in my brains. And then I've been doing rituals since I was 12 years old because my grandmother was really a ritual person. Like she ritualized everything. We do that for our kids. The bedtime story, the time to go to the bathtub, the time yeah. to dinner. We do that unconsciously. The difference between an habit and a ritual is the intention. It's just an habit with an intention because we are 45% of our time we spend awake. It's doing habits. 
if you just can twist it a bit to the intention, you imagine the power of that. So for me, I was between 18 and 21. I didn't do that. I was completely uh-huh. unfocused. Uh-huh. I was studying and it's yeah. difficult because it's a lot of study. And I was completely out of focus and completely out of myself as a, a whole. I was just doing things, doing and doing and doing and doing. And at some point, I'm just, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I just, I couldn't understand. I had to stop one year, actually. Like, I don't feel connected with this. I don't know what I'm doing. This is what, and then questions starting to arise because I didn't know what I was doing, why I was doing this. And then when I started to come back to myself, then I started to understand what are the things that makes me feel happy and to listen to my body and to understand the days that I'm feeling more tired and the, the afternoons that I'm feeling more tired and I don't push it. Because if you stop in the afternoon and you say, how is my mind? How is my body? And if you feel that it's too much, you can allow yourself to rest. And then you push in another day that it, that you feel more energy. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of respect for your body and your mind that you have to have if you want to stay for a long time in your body. You want to live long, of course, like everybody else. I'm sure you've learned this in all of your studies, but we have neuroplasticity of our brain, so we can mold them. However, breaking these patterns or cycles that we have of these little loops that have literally been carved in our brain. So maybe some of the bad habits that we have. I've heard that the only way to kind of break those as you become an adult is through like implementing a new habit. So maybe something that we do negatively, we apply a ritual that is beneficial to us and we can therefore disconnect some of those habit loops in our brain because the brain is neuroplastic. You can always learn and you can always undo it. Okay. It's completely true, but you have to understand the root and you have to be really yeah. vigilant Yeah, because normally that those patterns come from within your mind and your mm-hmm. mind is terrible. Our mind, everybody's mind. So you have to be really vigilant to your type of pattern. You have to see it to understand what is coming and you have to see the signs. Yes. You have to notice the signs of your body because the bodies are incredible. They give you all of the signs before something is going to happen. So you have to understand when I begin to have more stress, I begin to, my shoulders start to hurt. Mm -hmm. I start to sleep less. My periods start to do like this. My belly start to do like this. And I know, I notice something is wrong with my body. And if you're connected to your body, you can understand this and you understand, okay, I'm going in that direction again. How can I make it work? I have to come back. But if it's a pattern, a negative pattern or a negative habit in your mind, victimization pattern, like, oh, this happens to myself. I'm always the one that is wrong. My heart, my mind, like this happens. So if you're in conscience with this and you can see this, okay, I'm doing this again. Normally what you learn, you have to do an exercise that is like, okay, I'm feeling that I'm the victim. Okay, so what is the feeling that neutralizes this feeling? The first thing that comes to your mind is the correct feeling. Mm-hmm. So you just, you do it. Or I'm feeling anger. What is the feeling that neutralizes anger? Can be happiness. Mm. Can be other, can be the color blue, can be a song, can be anything. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that neutralizes my fear right now or my anger right now? Mm-hmm. And then you do it. And then in this way, you can unlearn to feel something that is not right, or you can do something that is not right for yourself mm-hmm. at that point. And you can learn by doing something that is neutralization of what you're feeling, of course, but it's like a police job. You have to do it all the time. So yeah. it's, it's like a, putting a dog to sit or to, it's like every day you repetition. have to do it. Yeah. Repetition, 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 you know, always neutralization. I do yeah. this, I do that. I do this, I do that. I do this. And it works. You have to be consistent though. I do want to mention a few other things that your book touches on. And you talk about 
the importance of physical touch, specifically the embrace. So I'm wondering if this has to do with what we were just talking about with yeah. those pathways. You know that neuroplasticity works really well with touch. Okay. I did not know that. Because normally when your brain actually is trying to put you in a safe space, it's not doing it on purpose. It's just, it's trying to protect you. The reaction you have normally to trauma, it's a reaction to protect. It's your brain trying to protect you. It's terrible, but it's like this. And then when your body is protecting itself, it reacts to the trauma with high cortisol and reacts with a flight and fight response. The cortisol goes up and all of your body goes in fight or flight mode, which is a terrible state to stay in. And then when you're trying to go off these kind of patterns and traumas, you have to do it on your body as well, because your body biologically is reacting to the trauma. It's not only your mind and your emotions. Physically, you're responding to trauma and to wrong patterns, because when you're doing a bad habit, when you're binge eating, biologically and chemically, you are aggressive. Your body is being hurt. It's terrible. You're just not hurting yourself in an emotional level, but in a physical level as well. So if you want to do it, you have to do it not only mentally and emotionally, but physically as well. So you cannot underestimate this. This is really, really important. The biological part of the trauma and emotion is at the most importance. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. For some reason, I was thinking about embrace and physical touch of someone else in the moment, but we're talking about individuality. But you can do it yourself. If you don't think, you just give it the sense of comfort, Mm. normally warmth and pressure. But you have to believe that. I think that's the hard thing. It's like, I have to believe. No, you don't believe that. You just do it. It's physical. Really? It's biological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't believe it. I'm trying to do it right now. (laughs) Okay. But I think that I'm not focused. I see what you're saying. I'm holding my, the back of my shoulders, my biceps right now. Do it with your feet. Hold your feet. Oh, interesting. It's easier. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. (laughs) I will say to people that can't see. Here, it's not for everybody, but you can see which work for you. Feet works really well. Well, it does bring you back to this present moment. Yes. And that's what we're you hold your feet, it's like, oh, okay, I'm safe. It's like a safety. I would feel better right now if my dishwasher weren't running. I didn't have kids at home and I was outside on a sunshiny day. No, but if you can do it, if you can Uh hold your feet and you have something warm in your kidney area it will work. Okay. And if you're in a state of anxiety or if you yeah. are in state of sadness and if you do that with yeah. music on, with something warmth in your kidneys and you hold your feet, you'll feel it. You search. Yeah. Not, yeah. We are all different. You search. No, I did. I did like this. I did like, again, listeners can't see me right now. I'm holding my shoulders, just arms crossed across my body. And it, there is something about this that feels nice. <laughs> this works too. You were just putting your hands on your face. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to experience. It's your body. You have to know it. Yeah. And I'm you sure have, you have to know. Too. Yeah, yeah. You have to know yeah. how to calm yourself down. Yeah. And to give sure. yourself hugs and to give yourself safe space. So you, again, take a more holistic approach and you have studied Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. So what benefit does that bring to our body and mind? And is this part of what we've been talking about the last few minutes? Is this part of Chinese medicine? I think everything is part of everything because at this point, it's like my basic study, but I did so many studies. Everything is completely connected. So it's impossible for me to to separate things, I think. But traditional Chinese medicine gives you connection between all the diseases and all the emotions because all of the organs have emotions. So it's beautiful. And you can connect them with responses in biological terms, which is beautiful because you can connect the flight and fight response with the response of the cortisol. The adrenal glands are in the kidney 
Chinese medicine tells you 2,000 years ago, we did not know what adrenals are, but we know that that's the organ of fear, which is completely right in terms of conventional medicine and in terms of the activation of the adrenal glands when you're afraid. And you can do this in every organ. Being aligned with the present moment, being aware of the present moment, are you using these methods to, I know that at your clinic, you treat sleep disorders, thyroid disorders, intestine diseases, anxiety, migraines, hormonal problems. So you're a big believer in a holistic approach, not just yeah. medicine and kind of band-aiding our problems. So is that- yes, what, please. So that's kind of what we've been talking about is a way and a tool that we can use to help our illnesses, whatever's ailing us. Yeah, it's impossible for you to... I have a thyroid disease for a long time. I have uh, Hashimoto's disease since my 17 years old. Right in the the moment that I have my big depression, which was a hypothyroidism at that point. And I had a disorder of my bowel too, like a Crohn disease, which is also an autoimmune. autoimmune. So autoimmunes are my big, big, I love okay. it. I just, it's yeah. my dream. <laughs> yeah. I study a lot and 90% of our customers are women with PCOs, with everything that you can imagine. So, of course, it's impossible to treat an autoimmune disease or an insomnia or sleep disorder without an approach to all of the three, mental, emotional, and physical, biological. It's impossible because you can give it a Band-Aid and the people will sleep, but then the problem will work itself out in the other way. It's like you're covering something and it's going out. It has to come out, you know, because the way of the disease manifestation is the manifestation of the body. The body will manifest if something is not right. And you have to be a good listener and a good seer because it will tell you this is not right. This is not going in the right way. Either the food, either the rhythm, either the mind, either the relationship, either the environment, something is not right. Mm -hmm. And it will tell you. So you can put a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid, but eventually it will transform in another disease. You have to do it in a holistic approach. Otherwise, you cannot have a good, good health in all of the way that health means, because health is physical health, emotional health, and mental and spiritual health. I'm so glad that you said that. I was just listening to a podcast the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Peter Atia. He's yeah. Written, yeah, Outlive. And I was listening to him on the Rich Roll podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. But he was talking about he's always looked at sleep, your exercise and food, obviously. But that fourth pillar is for sure emotional well-being. And if we are emotionally unhealthy, how that actually influences or everything disease. like a virus. Yes. It could be depression, like emotional dysregulation that we've never worked through that can cause depression that can end up causing, God forbid, suicide. So it's like, no, we really have to address this dysregulation we may have. And so it isn't just, oh, I'm eating poorly or I need to go walk outside. And normally people say, and the bowel movement is really important. I just say that to finish because it's not normal. Two things that are completely abnormal. Uh It's not going to the toilet every day to poop. Okay. And the period don't hurt. If it hurts, you have to see it. This is really important. Shouldn't hurt. Nothing. Zero. Interesting. But it's not normal. That is disease related. Again, (laughs) we're probably looking more of like, what are we taking in at that point? Or do you think that that is all connected? It's all connected. It's connected to the sleep. It's connected to stress, to serotonin levels. So Mm -hmm. to depression levels, the bowel movement is really connected to the brain movement. Okay. So you have to connect the hormones. 
in the period you have to connect all of the hormone cascades, so thyroid, adrenal, everything. I'm sure we could deep dive on that. And I didn't see oh, yeah. there. <laughs> I didn't see us getting to that point. But no, I, I have heard elements of that. And I will have to do a deeper dive on study on that myself. But if they want to connect more with you, we just barely scratched the surface of what you talk no, about. It's in Instagram. Oh. And I have in my website, a lot of PDF for free in English, with a lot of diseases, a lot of food and a lot of everything for the people to just dive in and read and have more info that is really necessary. Where can they grab your book? Amazon. Cool. Well, I didn't prompt you for this. We have about four minutes left. So I want to make sure I ask you these two questions. I ask every guest two questions at the end. The first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you? So a book, a documentary, something that has been beneficial to you that you want to share with the listeners? I think Deepak Chopra. I don't know how you say it in English, but the one that he talks about death. People are really afraid of diseases and death. And I think it's really important when you reach your 40s to start to read a bit, to put the pressure down a bit and to be more comfortable. Okay. Interesting. I will have to Google that and figure out which one you're. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will. I will Google it and I will send you. Well, my last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be something related to what we're talking about today or just. Okay. Sleep. Getting the hours of sleep and go to bed until 930. I'm impossible. I'm always talking about that every day in my life. It all comes back to what we've been talking about. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm crazy about it. I'm just always, it's like, I cannot not say it in every appointment and everywhere because it's important because it's the moment where we clean our toxicity. It's not seven hours. It's eight and a half minimum. Yeah. You have to sleep. Another resource here would be why we sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Everything related to sleep. I just love it. Yeah, all the systems. <laughs> well, yes. I really appreciate you coming Thank on you. today and appreciate you and your new book. And I hope people grab a copy Thank of it. Thank you. Bye-bye. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.